Well, this is the fifteenth, <clears throat> if anyone's counting. I hope you're not. Um, in my series on the book of Revelation, the Revelation of Jesus Christ, where we come to the third cycle of judgments. We've had the opening of the seven seals, we've had the sounding of the seven trumpets, and now we come to what I'll call the revelation of the seven symbolic characters. And whereas the first two sections, um, cycles, or, or sections focused on the the judgments of God, this third cycle <clears throat> focuses more on the spiritual conflict of a great ongoing cosmic uh, war. Um, in the first two cycles, we were shown the conflict between the church and the world, while in this third cycle, our Lord draws back the curtain a little further and enables us to see what um, is behind this and this conflict between Christ and the dragon, who is Satan. But again, as in each of the two previous uh, cycles, we, we cross over the same ground really again. Um, in each case, from the birth of Christ until his second coming in judgment. And, and this is particularly easy to observe in this third cycle, which we begins with a very clear reference to the birth of Christ, the male child born to the woman who will rod, rule with a rod of iron, and concludes with a very uh, clear reference to the final judgment described in the last seven verses. So let's pick up our Bibles again and read along, again, a longer section, so you will want to read. And besides, remember, there's a blessing promised uh, for those who read and listen. Um, so, um, you know, that's, that's a little more inducement for us to read even these longer sections. Uh, so we'll be looking um, at Revelation 12 through 14. Hear now God's word. And a great sound uh, sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on his head seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the ground. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she had borne her child, he might devour it. He gave birth or she gave birth to the male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for 1,260 days. Now war arose in heaven, Michael and the angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated. And there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, 
Now behold the salvation and the power of the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they love not their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath because he knows that his time is short. And when the dragon <clears throat> saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. But the woman who had given the two, uh, was given two wings of the great uh, eagle so that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness to the place where she is to be nourished for a time and times and half a time. The serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with a flood. But the earth came to the help of the woman and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river and that dragon had, had poured out of his mouth. Then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And he stood on the sand of the sea. Revelation 13. And I saw a beast rising out of the sea with ten horns and seven heads and with ten diadems on its horns and blasphemous names on its heads. <clears throat> and the beast that I saw was like a leopard its feet were like a bear's and its mouth was like a lion's mouth. And to it, the dragon was, uh, gave his power, his throne and great authority. One of its heads seemed to have a mortal wound, but its mortal wound was healed. And the whole earth marveled as they followed the beast. And they worshipped the dragon, for he had given his authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who was like the beast, and who can fight against it? And the beast was given a mouth, uttering haughty and blasphemous words. And it was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. It opens its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming his nature and his dwelling, that is, those who dwell in heaven. Also, it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. And authority was given it over every tribe and people and language and nation and all who dwell on the earth will worship it. Everyone whose name was not written before the foundations of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who was slain. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is to be taken captive, to captivity he goes. If anyone is to be slain with a sword, with a sword he must be slain. Here is a call for the endurance and faith of the saints. Then I saw another beast, verse 11, 13, 11, rising out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb and it spoke like a dragon. It exercises all the authority of the first beast in its presence and makes the earth and its habitation worship the first beast 
whose mortal wound was healed. It performed great signs, even making fire come down from heaven to, to earth in front of people. And the signs that it allowed to work in the presence of the beast, it, it, it deceived, and, excuse me, and by the signs that it allowed <clears throat> to work in the presence of the beast, it, it deceived those who dwell on the earth, telling them to make an image for the beast that was wounded by the sword and yet lived. And it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. And it caused all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or on the forehead so that no one could buy or sell unless he has the mark that is the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is 666. Chapter 14, Then I looked, <clears throat> and behold, on, the Mount, on Mount Zion stood the Lamb, and with him 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven like the roar of many waters and like the sound of loud thunder. The voice I heard was like the sound of harpists playing on their harps. And they were singing a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and before the elders. No one could learn that song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. It is these who have not defiled themselves with women, for they are virgins. It is these who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. These have been redeemed from mankind as the first fruits of God, for, the, for God and for the Lamb. And in their mouth no lie was found, for they are blameless. Then I saw another angel flying directly overhead with the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on earth, to every nation and tribe and language and people. And he said with a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come. And worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. Another angel, a second, followed saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great, she who made all nations drink the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality. And another angel, a third, followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and its image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he also will drink of the wine of, of God's wrath poured out full strength into the cup of his anger and he will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angel and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night, these worshippers of the beast and its image, and whoever receives the mark of its name. Here is a call for the endurance of the saints those who keep the commandments of God and have faith in Jesus. 
And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Write this, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord and from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow them. Then I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and seated on the cloud was one like a son of man, with a golden crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. And another angel came out of the temple, calling with a loud voice to him who sat on the throne, Put in your sickle and reap, for the hour to reap has come, for the harvest of the earth is fully ripe. So he who sat on the cloud swung his sickle across the earth, and the earth was reaped. Then another angel came out of the temple in heaven, and he too had a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar, and the angel who has authority over fire, and and he called with a loud voice to the one who had the sharp sickle, put in your sickle and gather the clusters from the vine of the earth, for its grapes are ripe. So the angel swung his sickle across the earth and gathered the grape harvest of the earth and threw it into the great wine press of the wrath of God. And the wine press was trodden outside the city and blood flowed from the wine press as high as a horse's bridle for 1,600 stadia. Amen. Well, in these verses, um, we are introduced to these seven symbolic players, and you see them listed uh, there on the overhead. Um, These characters are described as as literal character or forces in the earth, Jesus and Satan, for example. But their descriptions are figurative descriptions intended to, I think, give us a a greater sense of the power and the influence these characters or forces had more than might be possible uh, than a literal description. And in some cases, a literal description would have been impossible anyway. But let's look at each of these uh, seven uh, characters. Uh, First, the woman, who is an exalted figure clothed uh, with the sun, her feet uh, on the moon, Uh, She represents the church and especially the Old Testament church laboring. uh, Think of the prophets laboring in their ministry prepare uh, to prepare their generation for the coming one. She's pregnant. She's laboring to bring forth Messiah who would come and now, in fact, has come in God's good time. The 12 stars on her head represent the 12 tribes of the Old Testament age and the 12 apostles of the new. Now, opposing her is this enormous red dragon. And the dragon is clearly a picture of Satan. In fact, he's specifically identified in chapter 12, verse 9, as the great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who he who leads the whole world astray. And, and don't we know uh, of that great struggle, uh, that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, uh, but against the, the rulers and against the authorities, against the powers uh, of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms, Ephesians 6.12. So he stands in front of the woman 
waiting to devour the child who is the Lord Jesus Christ to be born. And of course, that's precisely what happened. And you recall this as, as Caesar, one of uh, the devil's most useful agents at that age and moment in history, sought to destroy the tri- Christ child as we read in Matthew 2.16. When Herod realized he'd been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old or under. Um, but this picture here in Revelation 12, like so much that we read in the book, does not represent only a single event, but the continuing effort of the devil to foil the redemptive plans and purposes of God throughout the ages. Uh, remember God speaking to the devil in Genesis 3.15. He promised, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head. You will strike his heel. And throughout history, in fact, we, we see the devil expressing that enmity by continuously, relentlessly seeking to destroy the seed of the woman, that is the Christ of God, lest in the end his head should be crushed. And so you can think through the Old Testament. Cain killed Abel, but God raised up Seth. Uh, Pharaoh tried to destroy the baby boys uh, of the children of Israel, but God raised up uh, faithful midwives and Moses was spared. Um, uh, the, the devil to, to, to deliver the people and press on the eternal purposes, God's redemptive history. In each case, you see, he's short, he tries to shortcut this process which God has, has set uh, before us in history. Um, the devil enters the, the heart of King Saul, who tries to destroy David, the direct descendant of our Lord, but God delivered him repeatedly. Um, Athaniah tries to destroy the royal seed in the days following David. But God raised up a faithful daughter who snatches the child Joash and hides him from the queen. Haman, the anti-Semitic grand vizier of the Persian king Xerxes, seeks to destroy all of Jewry. But God raises up a Jewess named Esther to foil the plot. And each and every step, Uh, Satan is there standing before the woman, as it were, seeking to destroy the seed of the woman, the line of Messiah, uh, the forebears in the flesh. But in every case, God snatched uh, victory from the jaws of deceit. Uh, Here we read that the sun is snatched away into heaven and the the anger uh, and the, the dragon in his anger and wrath turns against the woman that is the church, to pour out his anger instead upon the church and, uh, and her offspring, the followers of Messiah. We, we read that the church flees to the wilderness where God tends to her graciously for 1,260 days. Now we know this number. We keep bumping into it in the book of Revelation. 1,260 days is the same as 42 months, is the same as three and a half years, or times, time, and half a time. It always means the same thing. It represents the age in which we live. It represents this interadvental age, the last days, time cut short for the sake of the elect, the period between Christ's resurrection and ascension 
and the, the second coming uh, of, our, of our Lord. And God's care for uh, the woman reminds us of God's care for his church uh, over the ages, throughout the ages. The woman, uh, the church, flees to the desert to a place uh, prepared for her, which reminds us of Israel of old, the church in the wilderness, uh, called into the desert where God causes her to wander for 40 years and where she was prepared, wasn't she? Tested, tried with hardships and faith-building exercises or experiences. And likewise, you and I, uh, uh, through a, a large, though, though, though in a very large degree protected uh, from the most egregious attacks of the enemy, are still exposed to, to some temptations and battles during our wilderness experience in this world, which is the Father's means of disciplining and sanctifying and preparing us for the new Canaan, for heaven, which is yet a little while to come. Now, the war in heaven, described briefly in uh, verses 7 and following, is, is difficult and somewhat controversial to understand. It's tempting to take this to be a reference of the original fall of Satan during the time of creation, um, an event which, for which we might owe more to um, John Milton's Paradise Lost than actual scriptural uh, information. In fact, it, it might be instead referring to his defeat, that is, Satan's defeat at the resurrection. Um, Jesus may have had this in mind in in Luke 10, 17, and 18. That's when the 72 disciples, remember he had sent out to preach uh, the gospel, returned and they reported with joy. They said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. To which Jesus famously replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Notice how uh, the devil is named here the accuser of the brethren and accuses them before God day and night. The perversity of that. Think about that. Here is the greatest rebel of all who is thrown down from heaven because of his, his insubordination. And here he is on earth accusing us, the apple of God's eye, uh, his chosen elect, the martyrs of the faith, accusing us of rebellion. Rebellion that he had some part in. Talk about the pot calling the kettle black. Well, however you want to understand this reference, uh, this much is clear, that, um, uh, that the victor is the Lord. <laughs> um, the enemy is overcome by the blood of the Lamb, verse 11. His every effort is thwarted, and yet we're warned, um, although the time of his final disposal is short, he knows it, verse 12, and he's furious. He's particularly furious, having been, having been uh, thwarted right and left. Well, we um, come to see the third uh, thing, the male child in the text, um, who is, um, as we've seen, uh, the, the son of man, Jesus, who rules and will rule uh, the nations with a rod of iron. In this third cycle, his entire life and ministry is summarized in a single verse. And verse 15, 12, 15. She gives birth to a son, a male child, who will rule over the nations with an iron scepter, and her child was snatched to the, to, uh, up to God and to his throne. 
and that's it. Uh, Christ is, in this particular cycle is not the subject or the focus uh, of this portion of Revelation. And so we simply have this one verse summary. His birth, conflict, resurrection, and to his throne in heaven. Now, what about the beast? Uh, number four of these fantastical creatures. What about the beast? Chapter 13. The beast is the creation of the dragon. He's the creation of the dragon. He, he comes up out of the sea, an absolutely repulsive and terrifying figure, a combination probably of the four beasts of Daniel 7. And as, uh, as in the beast of Daniel's day, this beast also represents the power of the ruling nations of the world, especially the secular ruling nations that seek to usurp God, to live independently of God, and have demanded that others give them allegiance and worship reserved for God. Uh, Psalm 2 describes this perfectly. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Let us break their chains, they say. Let us throw off um, their fetters. The world wants to throw off the rule of God. Um, well, here the Bible... Um, the Bible identifies state powers that demand allegiance, demand worship, and identifies them to be of ultimately demonic origin and influence. Uh, Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego were thrown into a fiery furnace when they refused to worship the beast in the form of the demonic state of that day. The early Christians who refused to bow before a state shrine and make an offering to Caesar were taken to Rome and thrown to the lions in the amphitheater. And what was that all about? It was, again, because of their refusal uh, to worship. And this has a satanic ring to it. Uh, the North Koreans are compelled to render absolute and undivided loyalty and worship to their secular leader, Kim Il, in China. President Xi demands an increasing fealty and thoughtless allegiance. Um, all of them are uncovered here as ultimately uh, demonic. The, uh, the beast opens its mouth to blaspheme God and to slander his name and all the peoples of the earth whose name are not written in the Lamb's book of life. Um, uh, those who... Um, and approve or fall into line for the, the Satan, in effect, give their uh, approval and loyalty to the beast. Those who are not believers, in other words, uh, give their loyalty uh, to the beast rather than to God. And, and isn't that true? Uh, Jesus himself once said, he who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. Whoever acknowledges me before man, I will acknowledge him before my Father in heaven, but whoever disowns me, I will disown him. Why would Jesus disown men? Well, because they reject him. Because they really are the children of the devil and ultimately serve him. They may not see it that way, uh, but uh, that's the way God regards it, according to the scriptures. Well, what about the other beast, uh, the one who is the assistant to the first beast, um, uh, number um, uh, five, um, the false prophet, we're told. He's identified that way in chapter 16. The, 
the first beast, if you could call the first beast uh, the devil's mind, uh, what writes William Hendrickson, then perhaps the second beast might be considered the devil's hand. Uh, because he, he performs these, these miraculous signs, doesn't he? He deceives the people. Fire falls from earth, all sorts of... He deceives the inhabitants of the earth. He, he sets up the image of the beast and demands allegiance. And he forces people to take the sign of the beast, the number 666, without which they're unable to buy or sell. Now, you're all aware that a great deal has been made out of this sign and this number by signing the number to Hebrew letters and then transposing various names into Hebrew. People have come up with all sorts of possible names by by way of identification of the Antichrist beast. Uh, One author I read... Uh, on the subject, even admitted that by manipulating the numbers properly, he came up with his own name. Um, But the text tells us, if anyone has insight, let him calculate the number. I feel compelled to tell you that I do not have such insight, so I'll leave the subject there. Uh, Suffice it to say that God's people who love the Lord Jesus are already sealed by the Holy Spirit and they will not receive that number. Well, the 144,000, number six. We've already identified that in chapter seven. It's not a statistical number, but but a symbol of the entire elect of God. All those, you and I, who confess Christ as our Savior and the saints of every age and the martyrs together with us. We are known and we are numbered by God. When we sing his songs, we sing the the songs of Zion. It's our joy and privilege to sing hymns to him every Lord's Day. We sing them not to ourselves, we sing to him. Uh, We are, by God's grace, also described as chaste. Uh, The sexual imagery used here to denote spiritual purity, anyone who has read through the Old Testament, knows how frequently Israel's unfaithfulness to God is spoken of in sexual terms. When Israel commits idolatry or or, uh, adultery with the nations, uh, she's worshipping the false uh, false gods. If you are truly Christ, uh, writes Chuck Colclaser, Westminster's classmate of mine, um, back when the earth was still cooling, who... Uh, has written a uh, commentary in Revelation and said, if you are truly Christ, uh, though you continue to sin, you will not marry yourself to the false teachings or unbiblical lifestyles. You will seek to remain pure and obedient to your Lord and Savior. Amen. Well, finally, <clears throat> the seventh of the seven characters um, in, in this uh, chapter uh, these three chapters is the three angelic speakers of uh, Revelation 14, 6 and following. The first angel is called, uh, calls uh, men of every nation, tribe and language to fear God and give him the glory. Uh, the second angel announces the fall of Babylon, the symbol of false worship. And the third uh, describes the fearful judgments that will fall upon those who, who follow and who worship the beast. Now, what does all of this, um, where does all of this bring us uh, today? What does this say to us today? Um, and uh, I would like to suggest 
that you'll notice that the sermon title is, um, is the expression caveat emptor, which is a Latin expression that you may have heard. It literally means let the buyer beware. Or it might be said another way, all that glitters is not gold. Which is an appropriate uh, sermon title since these, these chapters, Revelation 12 to 14, direct our attention to the great counterfeit. That's what this chapter focuses on, the great counterfeit. It, it, look, if you've, has, has anybody ever gotten a counterfeit bill? I'm really curious to know this. Nobody. Well, if, I, I do know what happens. If you, well, George, you've got one? Well, <laughs> you have a whole bunch of them, right? <laughs> No, no, that wouldn't happen. Uh, but if you have one of those uh, counterfeit bills um, and the store discovers it, you lose. You don't get to keep the merchandise that you took to the, to the, the counter, the checkout counter. They take away the bad bill and maybe they call the police as well. So you have a lot of explaining to do. Uh, but now, um, listen to me. The great counterfeiter of this world is not some sort of computer geek who scans paper money and tries to produce some printable, passable copies or some phone or internet scammer. The great counterfeiter is the devil himself. And when you get caught working for him, there's, it's eternally tragic. Um, think with me about this text again. You're going to see this. Who's the beast? The beast is the image of Satan who makes himself out as a divine counterfeit. He, he wears many crowns. Uh, uh, the, uh, Christ has a crown. Um, uh, the dragon, Satan, uh, gives the beast power and authority and, and a throne, just as the Father gave to uh, Christ the Son. Uh, the beast has an apparently fatal head wound, which has been healed, which is a fraud. Uh, a counterfeit of the resurrection. But uh, it, it's a great means of drawing foolish men to himself, according to uh, chapter 13, verse 3. Uh, Jesus has real wounds, and he bears them before the Father, uh, for he was truly resurrected. The beast and the dragon seek the worship of the world in the place of God uh, and of Christ. But there's more. Satan raises up the false prophet. The second beast, what does he do? Well, he, he also works counterfeit miracles. He seeks to exalt the beast before the eyes of men. And what is that but a counterfeit of God, the Holy Spirit, who is the great, who takes great delight in exalting Christ. Not the beast, <clears throat> the true king, who, who has the heart of, of true people of God. Uh, the false um, prophet seals men with the mark of the beast. And that mark of the beast is a terrible counterfeit of God the Father who seals his people with the Holy Spirit. Um, so you begin to see this, I think. Um, the, um, the beast is, is, a, is, is, a, is a counterfeit, uh, rather the whole story is a, is a counterfeit of the Holy Trinity. The dragon, the beast, and the false prophet in place of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he has a horrible plan for your life. He wants to use you and then squeeze you out and throw you away. Uh, he's a destroyer. He wants to make you his slave in his losing war against the Lord. He's a loser. He's beat. He's a perverted blowhard. And he's blowing at your door. If someone came to you 
and said, um, asked you if you'd like to become a, a worship, a, a, a Satan worshiper, you'd probably be horrified at the thought. And you'd get him away from the door as fast as you could. And Satan knows this. And so he, he comes clothed how? He comes clothed in religion. He comes clothed in morality. He comes clothed with an apparent love for humanity. He is the, the counterfeiter of, of this age and every age. He, he is behind every false religion, every humanistic scheme, every totalitarian government, every scientific promise that doesn't give glory to Jesus. Because if Jesus doesn't get the glory, um, then ultimately the devil takes it. Anything that diverts the glory of God and the love of God amongst the, his people Um, Our allegiance to God, to the Son, to the Savior, is a fraud and idolatrous and ultimately of the devil himself. Uh, Don't we have a a tired old counterfeit Messiah called the state, which is vying for the hearts of men? Um, The state apparatus that promises to love us and look after us and care for us and solve all of our problems. The state can become, doesn't have to, but can become a replacement for Christ and a replacement for the gospel. Who needs Jesus? We've got Uncle Sammy. He'll take care of us. Well, modern man, you see, um, it's a replacement. Modern man doesn't pray, does he? He he energizes like-minded people on his blog. And he pressurizes the government to hold his hand and meet all of his needs. You know, if there, this is something I've noticed, and maybe you have too, that if there's a flood or a hurricane or disaster, people are absolutely livid and outraged if the president isn't there within a day or two to you know, kiss babies and express condolences and, and promise uh, immediate federal assistance. Now, that didn't used to be the case. Presidents in the United States used to go off hunting for a month with just them and one other guy up in Canada. Nobody knew where they were. The country made it. Um, but, but you see, that's, that's part of what is, is happening, I think. Um, uh, maybe it was the beast masquerading as a jealous, power-crazed emperor in the first century. Well, today... Uh, he's some doctor or technician who works miracles and who steals the hearts and trusts of, of men and women all over, uh, all over and takes all the glory. Uh, I wonder if today it isn't the power of the technocratic state organization, the power of the, of the scientific expert to whom we are tempted to bow and give our allegiance. Uh, any idol, any idol, any counterfeit gospel, any replacement for the grace of God, anything that displaces the Lord will suit the devil equally well. Well, with chapter 14, 14 to 20, we come to the end of our text uh, for the evening um, and the end of the third cycle, uh, the end of of the age. It describes a great end time harvest. In fact, really two harvests. One, the first is the harvest of the righteous, immediately followed uh, by one for the wicked, those who, uh, who are willingly deceived by the counterfeiter. Uh, remember, <clears throat> the serpent said to Adam and Eve, uh, Oh, you will not surely die. 
God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God. Do you hear the lie? Can you sniff the counterfeit and the counterfeit in that? See, you and I, brothers and sisters, must give the devil the slip. We need to change lords. We need to repent of old alliances and, and your old proud and selfish ways and ask Jesus to be your Savior and follow in Lord. In fact, every day, every Christian even, must choose Jesus. And what a blessed and good choice that is. Amen. Lord our God, thank you for this picture that makes us wise to what we know is going on around the world, a lot more than just makes, meets the eye. There are these, this great spiritual battle, Lord. And yet we, we've read the end of the book, and we know who wins. And so, Father, thank you for that. But we pray that you would make us wise in this world, as uh, gentle as doves, but um, as wise as serpents. Help us to always put you first each day in things great and little. We ask it for your grace in it. In Jesus' name, amen.